0: Art can mean different things to different people. For me, it's all about the joy of creating. So if you draw, paint, write, dance, sing, craft, play air guitar, or even sculpt using nothing but mashed potatoes, consider yourself an artist and join the conversation. For the next half hour, meet the artist, learn about their inspiration, and enjoy the beauty of creativity. Welcome to Art Talk with John Cole Artist. Well, all right, everyone. I had to go in and unmute because I have yet to figure out how to use this all this time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. I have an extremely special guest, um, Anya Kaczynski. Did I get it? Yeah. Yes. Finally, I've been practicing that all afternoon, trying to get that right. Um, And I can't help Anya, but notice that that room you're in looks awfully familiar. (laughs) What? It's not like I'm in your house or anything. <laughs> uh, somehow she snuck in, folks, and I don't know how she did that, but you're that's kidding. okay. I'm glad that she's here. And Christine's already online. She says, hello, beautiful souls. So, Anya, I wanted to invite you on because I know that you're a recent graduate of Johnson and Wales. Correct. Which is, that's in um, Providence, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And what is your what what's your degree in?
1: Culinary science and product development.
0: Culinary science and product development. But
1: I also got my associates in baking
0: and pastry arts. That is so cool. And and you just, I mean, th- there was a four-year school, right? Yeah. And, and for what it's worth, folks, um, I've known Anya for a very long time. And those four years went just like that.
1: Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I feel like because also I got stuck in COVID times with school. So it wasn't like a full experience in a sense. But right. I did learn so much in such a short amount of time, it feels like.
0: Yeah, and I've seen some of your work because I know that you um, you post a lot of things on Instagram primarily. Yeah. Because you're not like us old folks that tend to lean towards Facebook.
1: Uh-uh, I only use Facebook to keep up with those that don't have Instagram. <laughs> no, actually, <honestly,
0: laughs> why am I raising my hand? I do have Instagram. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm crazy. Um,
1: you don't react with my Instagram posts. You're, you react to my Facebook.
0: Right, it's because I'm one of these old folks. But uh, Anya is an amazing um dessert artist i mean so do you do you call yourself do you call yourself like a baker or how do you categorize yourself i'd say a chef a chef awesome but she's really really good um not everybody has had the the pleasure of having some of her desserts i have you
1: have to force to eat them some days
0: (laughs) yeah i voluntarily eat them until i can't eat anymore and then i'm like i can't believe i ate all that That that's true But but you're really really talented um so tell me, why why culinary school? Why did you want to go this route?
1: Honestly, your wife had to do with it. Um, Auntie Titi, like when we were younger, she would come over and would bake all the time. And she kind of got me into that process. But even when you guys were in California and Hawaii, like we would share recipes back and forth. And at that point, I was still a teenager, like in high school. That kind of got me to that route. And that was the only thing I had a passion for when I was like, oh, what do I have to do now? I'm graduating high school. So it was kind of important for me to like find that passion. And I originally went to school for just pastry arts. And then I got there and I had a food science class that I had to take, which then got me to that, like, okay, I want to do innovation. I want to work within these products and develop these recipes for these larger companies that do sell out to grocery stores, restaurants, like you name it, they sell out there. So kind of having like a hand in that and not just being stuck with like the same recipes every single year, like I'm working with something new constantly, which was super cool to me. hmm kind of transition that within like three weeks of being at college.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds interesting. So, I mean, so when you, when you talk about that, you're talking about creating things that haven't existed before.
1: Yes. And well, no. So yeah. like you can take like kind of what I'm doing right now, like working. So I work at and Joy, which is a company that supplies like different restaurants, like BJ's, um Ralph's sprouts, grocery stores, like Market Basket, Shaw's, like that bakery section is like, not only made in-house, which like is kind of cool that like you get to kind of dive into that, but you're also making new flavors
2: Mm. of
1: something. So like people like you don't want just like a blueberry muffin, like you want cranberry and orange like in the holidays, like something different, like being able to create those recipes like for a customer who's then gonna sell your product out. But it's not the same recipes each year, if that makes
0: sense. It does make sense and that's interesting because I you know, when I think about supermarkets specifically, or mm-hmm. places like Costco, or these other places that mm-hmm. have these in-house bakeries, um, you know, I often wondered. Well, first of all, I thought it was always kind of cool that they made a lot of that stuff in-house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I never thought about the fact that um, there are times, like like you were mentioning, like the holidays and things like that, mm-hmm. there these specialized recipes, or
2: yeah.
0: or maybe people are thinking, hey, this would be really good if we combined A and B, and then yeah that would be something that you might facilitate or.
1: Yeah. Or... So it allows for per- commercialization of products because to make that like for a grocery store, like they're making it every single day of the same thing, but you can't necessarily get that much out in time to then accommodate the customers So be able to buy like pre-mixes like a pre-depositive product or just like something that you can thaw, like that's already pre-baked. Mm-hmm. It's important for a customer, especially like restaurants, like it's easier to bring that stuff in and that's where the like science industry comes into it, like just working in R and D like research and development, because we're able to then produce stuff that they want to buy out and then sell to a different customer. And so like most companies will give you like, okay, we're looking for this go like, and then you develop them a product and then you work alongside them where they're like, okay, we like this, but we don't like this. So can you change that in any way, Mm -hmm. which is like, cool. But it also causes that like, like you have to have that factor of like, okay, like I might like this, but someone else does not.
0: Yeah, it sounds very similar to the graphic design world yes. in a way, because, you know, I've worked with people and they they might come in with this idea, this concept of something, yes. and then they kind of maybe not give you all the grisly details on what they really want, but they say, hey, I want A, B, and C. And then, you know, as, as a graphic designer, and it sounds yes. like it's, it's very much the same way, um, you might come up with three or four different varieties or flavors, as it were. Yes. And then, well, back to them is this is what you want well not really i might need this and it's that negotiation process it sounds like
1: yeah you kind of have to like work alongside them to get a product that everyone loves and that yeah. also is, like stable for the customer because you don't want someone to buy something and then like the next day it's moldy
0: well so, right yeah
1: so like working with even just stabilization to make sure that it's going to last a decent amount obviously well, it can't last forever because then i would question what's in it but like at least like a week span like it's not going to go moldy that kind of thing
0: yeah, that's 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 so interesting. I mean, again, I I one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because I haven't really talked to anybody that that knows about this stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, and and, there, and the fact of the matter is, I think that recipes, the mm-hmm. things that we eat typically, there's such oh, a hard there's what's
1: that? They're all developed by someone.
0: Yeah, but there's mm-hmm. what's what I find so interesting is there's actually a hardcore science in there. Right,
1: so it's like I'm considered a food scientist right now right so it's like i'm not just baking like i am a scientist that type of thing so there there's some sort of science and chemistry because you can't just combine everything or it could explode like just baking in in general is a science because if you don't have all your ingredients in the right ratio it's not going to turn out the way you want it to
0: right and i think at some point and maybe maybe christine can confirm this i may have tried things because i I don't bake and i don't cook and you know why it's just because i just don't enjoy it you let her do it right well, it's not that I let her do it. I think she volunteers to do it because she really loves it. Maybe I don't know, or maybe I'm just dreaming things. I don't know. Um, but I, but I think I've tried things in the past, and I know if you don't follow the recipe, sometimes they don't turn out the way you want them to because, because
1: um, baking you can only substitute so much, or it's going to change the texture, the flavor, right. the way it rises, the way like. From, like texture it could be moist, it could be dry, depending on like what you take out or add in. So like mm-hmm. even just substitutions, like okay, yeah, you could substitute that, but it's not gonna have the same like outcome. But you if you change this, then then you can get a closer outcome to what you had, what you unsubstituted. So it's like working with like different ingredients. Like I've taken classes called food ingredient technology because every ingredient has a role and a function within a product. Once right. you take it away, it definitely changes it.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. That's so interesting. So, so have you done this since ending school? I mean, is that what you're, do you have that opportunity to do that where you're working now?
1: So I just finished my internship at Boston beer company where I was doing a lot more sensory analysis where we're understanding like flavor degradation and just like aging of products, which is super important within like the food science roles, but then also my new role, I'm going to be able to work with those products and develop those recipes for like a customer. So I just started, but kind of like getting into that and already starting to work on some of those projects is like super like eye opening and really cool.
0: It is. And you're, and if you think about it, that you're, you're making an impact when mm-hmm. you do that, you know what I mean? Because, um, you're affected in a way you're affecting people's lives. Yeah. You know, you help to create something of a flavor profile, for example, or, or some new recipe that, mm-hmm. that might not have been, and now it is a thing. Mm-hmm. That's 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 very powerful when you think about it.
1: Yeah, I think it's super important because not everyone just wants the same old chocolate chip cookie every single day. They kind of want more flavor, and I also see that within like food sustainability and cleaner labels is really mm-hmm. important. And that's what a lot of companies are trying to lean towards now because before you would see all these words and you're like, "What does this mean?" Right. But a clean label will allow people to read it and actually know what they're eating. So that's yeah. also a super important thing within food innovation right now is creating those clean labels.
0: Yeah, Christine and I earlier we were talking about um, there was a sale at Dick Blix, which is that art store, and you can mm-hmm. buy it online. And she was trying to read off all the names of the different paints, and some of them are quite complicated. And you're mm-hmm. asking yourself, what the heck is in this paint? Exactly. Um, but absolutely hear what you're saying because I don't know how often I've, you know, picked up a package of Ho Hos,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> right?
0: And you read the back of it, and you're like, well, okay, I know this is chocolate this is probably vanilla flavoring Mm -hmm. but then you start hitting all these other ingredients which you know they're there for a reason
1: they're all mainly stabilizers that have those like crazy long names
0: right and it goes into shelf life and things like Mm -hmm. that which
1: you need for a product to last but then there's also like there's a way to get around using that many stabilizers Mm -hmm. like you can have like one or two but you don't need to be have like all these long chemical names on your like packaging and that's what a lot of companies are trying to lean away from right
0: now. Right. My good friend, Lucinda Bentley says, hi, guys and girls. She's uh, She was on our show. She's been on our, our show. She's been on my show twice now. Uh, she's down in Florida. And she's just an amazing person as well. Hey, Lucinda. Um, so we got the science piece, which is awesome. So you're a scientist. Do you have a lab coat?
1: I do, actually. Oh, that
0: is so cool. With my name on it. I wonder if I should get a lab coat. But I don't know if I'm a scientist, but I can pretend. You can always
1: pretend. I could
0: always pretend. a mad scientist. A what scientist? A mad scientist. I could be. I think I fit that description quite nicely on you.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Maybe. Um, oh, Christine, good comment. I love the concept of clean labeling because I am highly sensitive to the additives and artificial colors and flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of colors and speaking of colors specifically, um, you know, when we when we eat food, I mean, is it true that we eat with our eyes first?
1: Yes, it is very true. Everyone, if you look at something and you're like, that looks good, you're going to want to eat it. But if you have a plate that's just kind of like thrown together, then like, it's not as appetizing.
0: Okay. So when it comes to, I would be interested to hear your opinion on artificial colors, because I know, you know, artificial colors were probably introduced back in what the Mm forties and fifties
1: way before my time.
0: Well, well, way before my time too, by the way, I'm not that old. Um, but they came in, I think, to make foods more attractive, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to eat um, something that's cherry yeah. flavored, for example. You want it and, to also be red. Yeah. You want that's it to look like red. What but, what with.
1: I think but, the things, colors were, to me, colors were like for kids. You're like to get something like candy is so colorful. It's like appealing to people. Even adults, like people see that color and they're like, oh, like I that's blue raspberry, that's cherry, that's grape. Like you know the different colors. But I think it's hard because coloring is not the best for you because it is like chemicals per se. But there are ways to color stuff with natural additives. Mm -hmm. Like turmeric can be used as a yellow coloring because of its, but it doesn't give off a flavor. So I've done that before. So you can use different spices, vegetable concentrates, like you can use that to color. It's just not as intense as these artificial colors are. So that's where it's cheaper and easier for companies just to use artificial color. But then also you have to take into the fact that some people won't eat it because it is artificially colored.
0: Right. So there's that trade off there. So from a company perspective, it's just, you know,
1: cost goes into it a lot, but I definitely noticed that especially like yellows and some reds are able to be substituted with that non-artificial color, but it, sometimes it's hard to get that desired color without artificial coloring. So I've right. seen both sides of it. Mm-hmm. But if you are looking for a clean label product, most people will lean more towards that like natural type of coloring versus the artificial.
0: Right. Yeah, I've never really looked at the studies um, or the impacts of either artificial coloring or flavoring. I know I do remember in my lifetime that they... I think it was red dye number ten or something like that. Red there's there's 41. one of the which one?
1: Red forty is a big one that's used a lot.
0: Yeah, but there was a different red that they uh, that they used way back when I was a kid that I think they determined was carcinogenic or something like that. Okay. So they stopped it. Yeah,
1: what there is call? definitely FDA regulations on these colors, which is nice that they've done the testing and they know that it's safe for consumption. It can't kill you, but before FDA regulations came through, like they could do whatever they wanted right much so they are regulated to an extent of like this can't kill you but it's not i don't think it's the best because like when i see something that's bright blue i'm like do i really want to eat that yeah, right. it's a natural color
0: yeah if it's that bright blue it was never in nature to begin with which yeah. would tell you that it's probably not the best thing to put in your body right mm-hmm. so what about what about um comments on um like sugar, sure. sugar 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 additives
1: there's plus and minuses to them. I don't mm-hmm. think that sugar additives are necessarily bad for you, but also like you have to take into account of like what their impact is. Like there are allergies to like stevia and what's the other one? Splenda. Cause they can mm-hmm. give people like headaches, but then they're also able to use them for people that can't have, like they need zero sugar, like actual like um, glucose, like they can't have that. So they substitute it with something else, but it's some people don't like that. So I don't, it's like, give and take when it comes to like why you're using it. So it's like, it's good for people that are, that can't have that sugar, but then also people that want the sugar don't see it as like a health benefit. Right. Because natural sugars definitely, like as much as sugar is not good for you, it's healthier than an artificial, like plant-based. Like, cause like stevia comes from a plant. Right. So it's like that kind of thing is you have to like, balance out like, why are you using it? And like, what benefits is it giving to one person, even though it might not give it to the other person
0: right yeah that makes perfect sense to me Mm -hmm. right so so let's move from um the science side to the art side
2: okay
0: not that the science side isn't cool and i could probably talk to you for the rest of the night just on the science side but um i snagged some pictures off of instagram of some Mm -hmm. of your work and i'd like to talk to you a little bit about it maybe you can talk to me about you know your influences maybe how you did the design
1: yeah
0: um I think this was one of the first ones that I saw when I opened up your Instagram. Yeah,
1: so so this is from when I took a cakes class. So this is actually, it's a coconut pound cake with, I want to say it was filled with almond something. You're really picking my brain. This was two and a half years ago, I think I made this, but it's supposed to be a classic wedding style cake. So that's why it's frosted in white and bordered in white. But then we also added we were able to pick whatever color flowers you want and purple is my favorite color. So I made purple marzipan flowers for this. Okay. So marzipan is like an almond paste that you can use, but it will set if it's left out in like the air condition. So that's how it's holding that shape. But that was definitely a fun cake. I think there is a video of me making that and assembling that cake, which was also super cool because that process takes time. It's like you can't just whip up a cake in five
0: minutes. It's not that easy, huh?
1: No. So I think I have a time lapse That's probably over a minute. So it was probably a good 45 minutes that I actually spent working on this, not including like cake bake time. Mm -hmm. So like the cakes, you have to let them cool completely before you can cut them. I believe there's three layers in each cake stack. So it's like cake, a filling, cake, another filling, and then more cake. Then you have to wrap those with like a crumb coat. And then you can wrap it with a full frosting because the crumb coat then holds in anything. So you get a cleaner finish on that outside. You can skip the crumb coat, like, if it's not super, like, like, I guess crummy is probably not, like, the best explanation, but, like, leaving behind that trail, Mm -hmm. but the crumb coat definitely, like, you can put it in the fridge. It makes it more solid and allows you to, like, clean it up better so you get that, like, smooth side and you're not seeing that, like, final, like, swoop of your, like, bench scraper that I would use to, like, wrap this.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I didn't know what a crumb cake a crumb Mm -hmm. coat was, I think, until I watched the Food Network a couple years ago. I had no idea. I had heard the term before. I had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. I'm like, who wants these crumbs on their cake? I don't want that.
1: That's why you use that crumb coat to kind of hide it. And then I believe that's scrolling I did. So you do like two loops one way and then one, and opposite. You can kind of see like there's that slight like change of direction within the swirls. Right. Ribboning on the side just kind of to add a little bit more decor. And that's like supposed to be like your classic wedding cake. Even though you you don't a classic wedding cakes nowadays.
0: Well I was going to say because this is so nice I mean is that that that's always an option for you as well as you could be an independent yeah wedding cake designer if yeah. you so choose, right?
1: I think that's where I had changed my major in school Is like as much as I loved to be in the kitchen and loved making these cakes I found more of a love for science. So I uh-huh. still make cakes on the side like I've made them for like family parties and everything but yeah I couldn't see myself doing that full-time right, and still loving it as much as I do.
0: Yeah. No, I think you made a good choice. I think you you have the talent for the design work, but I think, you know, the science side is probably more important these days as we continue moving on. You know, I think there's a lot of
1: opportunities for growth within a science role versus just a standard, like there's pastry chef growth for sure. Like you can become an executive chef, but I think the science was able to give me more of expansion upon that. hmm instead of just doing cakes like obviously the design of the cake changes every time but it will not that it gets old but you kind of it's a repetition
0: right right I
1: like a little bit of pizzazz in my day
0: yeah no i don't blame yeah. you i would too
1: yeah so
0: and this one i think uh when we were talking earlier you said it's that's not I, actually yeah.
1: a cake so that's considered an entremet um there was, I know there's a photo with the cross section where when you cut it in half, there's different layers to it. Mm-hmm. So there's a cream layer, there's a crunchy layer, there's a cake sponge layer in there. And then well, there's like a mousse is usually like, so like it's encased in mousse, but then like in that mousse, there's like three or four layers like stacked in. So it's like kind of nice to see that cross section because you'll see like four to five different layers when you right. open it up, you're not just seeing like cake. So it'll be like different colors and different textures, which makes it interesting. And then it's completely glazed over, so like that's why it's super shiny on the outside. And then the board's kind of making it look weird, but on the bo- it's not that short. It's a chocolate, um, like collar kind of around it, where we used ring molds, where we took acet- acetate paper, I made mean, a like flat layer of chocolate, and then molded it around a ring. So that it held its shape and once it dried, because it's tempered chocolate in there, once it dried, you can take that off and then just kind of like place it around that cake to add a decoration portion.
0: So like so, I, so that, gold, that gold band is what?
1: So that's not gold. That's milk chocolate, actually. I think the picture just now that I'm looking at it, it looks like it's a gold band, but it's actually milk chocolate. But I think the reflection wow. of that gold cake board is what's giving that like effect. Yeah. Which I never realized that when I posted the photo, but that is for sure a milk chocolate ring around that.
0: Well, I mean, either way, it just shows how well the chocolate was because it's reflecting that so strongly.
1: It's tempered chocolate, so it's shiny and it will have that nice like crack. Yeah. And then I believe this was my practical one and my top ring. So we only have so much time when we do a practical because it's like our final like, what What'd you learn from this class? Mm-hmm. It broke. So you can see how the raspberries are coming out the side. And instead of getting frustrated, I used that to my advantage and had this, the raspberries kind of come out. Because inside, it's a raspberry filled. Um, I want to say it was a raspberry cream, which, which was, it's kind of like creamy gelatin type thing. Like, it's not gelatin, but it's not a mousse. So it's like that kind of, so I kind of use that to my advantage and just had the raspberries come out my chef actually really thought she thought it was cool and she thought i did it intentionally actually um i did not i just broke it as i went to take it off the ring and then on top is just um they're called chocolate cigarettes because you just make a flat layer and you can just like if you go quick enough it will roll on the marble stone wow which is cool and then this is a chocolate box so not cake at all so i i had a uh, chocolates and confections class where we made chocolate bonbons and different chocolate things and then this box is just a solid piece of chocolate and then the top is just the lid and then the little balls were just spheres that I made and put together and kind of stacked it up because we were able to put all of our different bonbons we made over the this was nine days we had class over we Mm -hmm. kind of just filled it up so like I took that home and I'm pretty sure my mom and my dad just devoured what was in it so you kind of you can eat the inside but then you can also eat the box itself and if you had the top, like the little thing coming out is a flower that's on top that we did, mm-hmm. which was super cool. Nice.
0: And then the last one, this this one I think is just this. when I was talking about eating with your eyes earlier. I mean, yeah. I saw this. I'm like, that's that's just awesome.
1: So it's a plated dessert. It's supposed to be s'mores flavored. So you have that um, meringue coming down that center, which gives you that like toasted marshmallow. We This was... Mm, it's a, it's a chocolate mousse for sure that bottom piece that kind of like flares out to the side with the cho- with the um stuff on top and then with the chocolate coming out of the well and then I had a graham cracker soil I guess you could call it mm-hmm. which was just kind of flour graham cracker sugar and that I toasted in the oven just to kind of give it a little bit more crunch and not so much like dried um graham cracker and then I also threw in some raspberries to give more of that so you have more dimension to it. So it's not just a standard s'mores but also like you got a little bit more sweetness into it, as much as like um the meringue is sweet, but I wanted that like tart sweet to go along with it. So you have more right. flavor into it, which was nice.
0: Yeah. Also I mean,
1: I... but plated desserts are super awesome because there's so much you can do with them in design aspects. So yeah. I did
0: yeah, and you need you need an eye for that too because yeah. I think you know I mean I could go out in the kitchen right now and put together a dessert plate, but it ain't gonna look like that.
1: Yeah, so like even anything at a restaurant, like they enjoy to plate it nicely because if your food looks nice, it tastes better in my opinion. But when it's all right. slapped together, you're like, oh, like do I don't really want to eat that? Like not the best looking thing, but like something that's ugly can taste good. But usually, if your eyes are drawn to it, it's more appetizing. Is it can taste the same, but it looks better to begin with. And you're more likely to want to like, enjoy that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It makes it more special too, especially mm-hmm. if somebody, because I mean, clearly that, that latter one, um, the one with the, um, the s'mores concept, mm-hmm. um, right. that must've, I mean, that took some time and thought behind putting it together.
1: I guess I feel like when I came to plated desserts, we were supposed to draw out our plate beforehand. Mm -hmm. That's really hard because you know what you have, but you don't know sort of the limitations you're working with and kind of like the plate shape. Like you can drawing it out like proportions is really hard in my opinion. So I would come to class with like, okay, I have an idea of what I want to do. But like we had circle, we had rectangle plates, like we had all these different plates and usually I would just kind of go for it. And just kind of see what looked good to me. And I kind of do that with a lot of my baking where I'm like, I have a vision, but it's not always the final product because you're like, Oh, like this might look good. This might look a little bit better. Oh, that's not working. Let me try this. And it's kind of a lot of adapting when it comes to that, like art side of it, Mm -hmm. the more you do it, the more you kind of get into that routine of like, I can do this, this or this, like, how do I want to design it? Right. Which
0: is nice. Uh, Yeah. I. I, That's it. Yeah. It's, which which is why this falls so squarely into that art world, because you're right. Mm-hmm. I think it's because you have to, I think, not only conceptualize what it is that you want to do, but like with any art, I mean, I could start a painting right now with this idea of whatever it is I'm painting, but then along the way, something might not work. So you need to make the adjustments. You gotta stay flexible when you do it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? No, I agree. Like not you might think one thing might work and then you get into it and you're like, Oh, that's really not working out. Like I've had cakes where I'm trying to wrap them in a frosting and it's just falling off because it's too hot. So then you have to like adapt it. Like, do I need to chill my, is my frosting too soft or do I just need to throw my cake in the fridge for 10 minutes to let that kind of like set mm-hmm. and then continue with what I'm doing? Or like, even just like those marzipan flowers, like if you don't get the right thickness, like if it's not thin enough, it's too thick and it won't wrap nicely. And you can't get that like floral edge. It'll just look like very straight up. So that yeah. is very thin so that you can kind of like wrap it around. And that's like a very like hands-on like kind of like model and clay, but with food,
2: mm.
1: Right, right. So like you're using something like that to build an object and it's not just like drawing, but I think having some sort of artistic ability allows that to come more naturally in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I've, taking class with so many different people and there's really good looking cakes and there's really not good looking cakes. (laughs) And I definitely saw that because one of my friends, she really struggled with the art aspect of cake decorating, but she's really good at baking like that kind of stuff where if she had to make a pie, like it looks beautiful, but having to do that, like more detailed oriented, she really struggled. So there's different levels of baking. So I think like if you're a really good artist and you can bake, like you can make beautiful things. But it's like finding that ability with piping bags or your hands in general, just like, how can I make this work? And I do think you need to have that like delicate artistic touch to make stuff look beautiful.
0: Well, you definitely have that on you. There's no doubt about that. So um, I can't believe the half an hour already went by. We're at 29 minutes, but I just wanted to, you know, go back really, really quick and just say, um, I'm very proud of you.
2: Appreciate that.
0: And I think that with you leaning more to the science side, I think you really are an inspiration for a lot of young girls, perhaps, that that really are thinking about mm-hmm. you know, either either going into the arts or sciences either way, but but to have that focus on the science, I think is a really good thing for yeah. other girls to see. So
1: I think it's important because like the food industry has been so male dominated yeah. in the past that getting women into it is important because that way it's not like oh you're too weak to do this because I've definitely had men look at me be like can you lift that bag of flour and I'm like yes I can lift a bag of flour type of thing but having that empowerment that like women are just as strong as men and just as smart is important oh yeah definitely noticed that even just the companies I've been worked with that's mainly male dominated you see the ratio is not the same so it's like having that like woman empowerment getting people like women into this industry is
0: important in my so, so, so how would, how would you go about doing that? I'm just curious.
1: Just anyone I talk, like I've talked to a bunch of different people that like I've gone to school with and like who weren't in the food industry side. Cause Johnson also has so many different degrees and they're like, well, why would you do that? If there's like males, I was like, because I'm just as strong. Like they can't talk right. what I'm doing. Like, I think it's just like proving yourself and just like letting other people see that instead of just seeing the face of something being a male, make it also female which I feel like that's being seen more and more.
0: Well, good. And I appreciate that. I know there's people out there that will look at you and say, that's exactly what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be just like Anya. (laughs) So that's awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go, Uh, everybody. I certainly appreciate you spending the last 30 minutes with us. Anya, you've been a pleasure. Um, next Next week, I've got Megan Kidd on. And if you recognize the last name, it's because I think two weeks ago, I had her husband, Tim, on. So I'm going to have Megan on next week, folks, and it's going to be another great show. So Anya, again, thank you very much. And I will see you in about. Thank you so very much for joining me on the Art Talk podcast, where it's my goal to bring artists together to talk about their craft. If you'd like to join me for a conversation, please reach out via email at johncoleartist at gmail.com or by visiting my website at johnrobertcole.com. So until next time, keep crafting, painting, and inspiring others with your creativity. You make more of an impact than you know. See ya.